Welcome back to another edition of the Pug and Cop Boxing Show. This is Mike Coppinger alongside Lance Pugmire. Yeah, but maybe the biggest boxing weekend of the year coming up on Halloween with three big cards. We have Gervonta Davis, Leo Santa Cruz, Naoya Inoue against Jason Maloney, and then Alexander Usyk against Derek Chisora. So we'll preview all those fights. We'll break down Estrada Quadras as, long, as well as Chocolate Tito fight and preview a possible rematch between them next year and also get into the Lippin Nets uh, Custio Clayton action on Showtime. Uh, but before we get into the show, if you aren't yet subscribing to The Athletic, you can do so right now for just $1 per month, and that deal expires on Monday, November 2nd. So take advantage now and head over to theathletic.com slash Pug and Cop. All right, now we're going to get started. Let's get ready to podcast! If you're going to go stick your head in the sand like that, get out of the sport. Mike Coppinger. It's creating a huge mess. It's absurd. No, you're wrong. So, it seems like a cash grab. You need to turn up and you need to be on it. We just started going at it. You got to go eat. The Pug and Cop Boxing Show on The Athletic. Glance, you know, we had some great fights over the weekends. Uh, man, that, that Juan Francisco Estrada, Carlos Quadras fight. If it wasn't for the Zapata Branchek fight, I think it would be the no doubt fight of the year. Um, even still, I think it deserves consideration. It was fought at a higher skill level. It was higher stakes, obviously, with the best 115 pounder in the world. Quadras is a really good fighter, but uh, you know Estrada was just too much. Scored the knockout, and with Chocolatito also pressing on the undercard in his own title fight, it sets up what should be, as Eddie Hearn has said a highly anticipated rematch at 115 pounds unification title fight between Juan Francisco Estrada and Chocolatito next year, which would be, I believe nine years after their first meeting. Yeah, Mike. I mean, it was exactly connected to that event at the LA sports arena when um, Estrada and Chocolatito first met that started this whole thing with, with not only these fighters, but with this division just taking off to what it is now. I mean, we ended up seeing, uh, promoter Tom Loeffler start his Superfly series that included Quadras, that included uh, Sorangvasai, and all of these other guys. And this division is just so packed with talent. It's amazing that it's still, you know, they're still shining at, at, at this very day. Because, you know, look, I think you know Carlos Quadras. I've spent a lot of time with him. And this guy truly is. He's one of those fighters. When you talk about, like, a, the heart of a champion, this guy is everything that you would you would think personifies a boxer i mean his personality is such that he just is like this uh you know this beaming light of of you know of energy he's not going to ever back down and i think we saw that it was only thanks to the you know persistence and the and the skill of estrada that allowed him to ultimately stop quadris and in what like you said was an incredible fight with so much passion you know, with Rudy Hernandez in the in the corner of Quadras, just urging him on. I thought it was great theater, even though there wasn't a crowd there. It was just a remarkable action. Yeah, that was just an excellent fight. And I'm just so excited because we know Chocolatito Estrada 2 is going to be can't miss. Oh. It's probably going to be a fight between two future Hall of Famers. Like, I can't imagine at this point that Estrada is not going to get into the Hall of Fame. He's probably one win away at this you point. Think, you think that highly of him? Absolutely. This guy's yeah. been one of the best pound for pound fighters for about a decade, almost a decade now. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he's beat Ron Versailles. He has the resume. I, I think he beats, I think if he beats Chocolatito and he's certainly going to be favored to, I think that's, that stamps it for me. And, yeah. um, I mean, look, 
you know, Eddie Hearn's done a really good job with these 115 pounders right now. Obviously, they're cheaper fights, so we see more of them. But mm-hmm. I just love what we're seeing in this weight class. Even when Julio Cesar Martinez, three pounds below, you know, he won his fight on, on the opener in the zone. He's all mm-hmm. action. And then, of course, you have 180 pounds, too, with Inoue, who's going to be fighting on ESPN Plus right there. So we can, we can make some big fights. And I also don't want to forget about Quadras, who put up a good performance, and also Sarungvisai. Quadras and Rungvisai should, should fight. Um, let's keep having them fight. Absolutely. And I think that's the most impressive thing about Estrada, Mike, is that he got the best of Quadras on Friday night, right? I mean, there was no doubt that Quadras was fighting as if his career was on the line in that bout, you know, knocking down Estrada. And then Estrada gets up and just, you know, is just so relentless in ultimately breaking down Quadras. And like you said, I mean, now he faces really the guy who's his Moby Dick in Chocolatito. And boy, I mean, Chocolatito, again, looks so good after, you know, capturing the belt. He is going to be primed for that fight. And I just, I just can't wait for that fight. I, you know, I, I think the, the one hope, Mike, is, and then you talk about Eddie Hearn, you know, jumping in with these guys and realizing how, how talented they are. That is, a, those fights are, are the type of, of bouts that I do hope that we see in front of a live audience, especially in Mexico, where the passion is just going to be overflowing along with the audience. And, and that's just such a great thing for the sport. And hopefully as things, you know, start getting better, into next year um that would just be such a beautiful event i would love to go down there and i know you would as well yeah i mean it's going to be an unbelievable fight next year and i wouldn't call it a super fight but it's probably as close as you get at this moment in the smaller weights Mm -hmm. but you you look at you know inoue who's one of the rising stars in the sport a guy who's going to be fighting for the second time in the united states also on saturday and at 118 there really isn't anything that gets me super excited but, I mean, what about if we do a new way versus the winner of Chocolatito Estrada 2 at 118 pounds? I mean, that, to me, is a super fight. Do you think those, either of those guys would come up? It seems like Estrada would, but I'm not sure if Chocolatito would. Uh, yeah, Chocolatito's, you know, a lot smaller. I think Estrada certainly could uh-huh. come up to 18 and, and be fine. Um, and I think, really, that's, only, that's the only possibility we have for a super fight for a new way. So uh, okay, real quick, real quick, I have to object, and I and it's actually your guy, not a super fight, maybe just because he doesn't have that. We know that he doesn't <laughs> have the fan base, but Rigando, you know, when I when I spoke to Guillermo Rigando um, the other day last week, he said he wants the monster. I mean, he's one of the few guys saying he wants that fight, and I know, you know, again, we're going to talk about his drawing or his lack of drawing power. But he is a guy, is a two-time Olympic champion, a guy who's won, who's won belts in multiple divisions and is just so talented. That, too, could be a, a, a great fight for Inouye. Oh, man, I, I, can't, I can't see Rigandau, uh and Winneson being a sacrificial lamb again. It hurt too much <laughs> the last time. I, I just don't know at this age, at this, at this juncture, if he has anything for Inouye. But, yeah, uh-huh. I mean, I, look, I, I still have to see the fight, but I'd much rather see Estrada if he beats Chocolatito. Um, but you know, good card. I, I, I think that it certainly Estrada versus Quadras is one of the two best fights of the year. And I would love, love, love to see Quadras versus Rungvisai next year. And I don't want to forget about Rungvisai. You know, this guy has beat Chocolatito twice, even if I thought the first one was, was a bad decision yeah. and beat Estrada too. And this is one of the best fighters in the world as well. 
All right, guys, bear with us one moment while we hear from one of our sponsors. You know, we, actually, we had two good cards last week. Showtime, I thought, had some pretty good action. We had the triple header on Saturday. Uh, I know you Lopin, watched yes. it. Yeah, yeah you yeah. watched it from beginning to end. Tell us about it. Yeah, so uh, Sergey Lipinets versus Custio Clayton. Theo Clayton was a Canadian Olympian. Not, we didn't know much about him, but definitely gave a great performance. I, I didn't score the fight, but the draw certainly seems fair, as well as a 15-13 scorecard, which one judge had in favor of Clayton. So nice to see the judges have a good night for once. <laughs> and Clayton's, you know, Clayton's now a new entrant into the welterweight division. PBC has it loaded over there. Certainly can give some guys tough fights based on his his style. He has a great jab. He's strong. He can stick and move. Um, Lopinets has already proven to, to be a you know top ten guy. Uh, also, the undercard is pretty good. I mean, uh, we have Subriel Matias who looks flat in February when he yeah. when he lost, and you know he was coming off that Dadasev strategy. But I thought he looked really good. He beat up Malik Hawkins, who's a you know a good friend of Javante Davis. It's from Baltimore. Beat him up, stopped him, and in, in the opener. And then we had in the co-feature another Mayweather Promotions fighter um, in Xavier Martinez. You, you know that was a, that was a tough fight. He he was dropped I think twice in round eight by Claudio Morero. I thought Morero should have finished him, but he was probably a little too conservative, and he allowed Martinez to get back into the fight and score a win. So. Uh, you know, good good show from PBC, good show from Matchroom. Now we have really, uh, we were saying earlier, probably the, the most stacked weekend of the year, uh, this weekend on Halloween. Um, I mean, the fight I think we're all looking, most looking forward to, right? Gervonta Davis against Leo Santa Cruz. Oh, yeah. That's going to be in San Antonio at the Alamo Dome. They're expecting around 13,000 fans. And look, I, I know we, we had Gervonta on the show earlier. We had Leo on the show. I know you're picking Leo by the up, via upset. Please tell me why. Well, look, I just think that it's going to come down to his experience and his grit, Mike. I mean, absolutely. And I wrote this the other day. This fight can end in, a, in an instant, right? And I mean, that that's the great thing about Gervonta Davis. That's what we want in our fighters. A guy who can just flat, no matter where the fight stands, he has the ability to deliver that one punch that just suddenly ends the night. That can happen. I'm not saying that that cannot happen. But... Leo Santa Cruz, over the course of 12 rounds, I believe has the ability to outbox him. I spent a couple hours with him last week at his gym in La Puente, California, and we talked about the intricacies of the fight plan. I mean, he's not going to be the same Leo Santa Cruz that he usually is, throwing the thousand punches a fight. He realizes that he, he can't leave his head pre present that long and expect to survive You know the, the power of Gervonta Davis. So he believes he can, you know, pick him apart. He can do enough things that will frustrate Gervonta Davis and leave him chasing the action and not being able to land on, on Santa Cruz the way he wants to. And with that experience that we know, Mike, I mean, we've seen these fights that we've seen Leo, you know, build that experience against the likes of Frampton and Abner Morris, quality fighters where it's not exactly, you know, like you don't have to think at all. You're thinking like the entire time. So he's going to, he's going to call upon that. He's going to, you know, he's de obviously dedicating the fight um, to his father, Jose, who had to survive, barely survive a battle with COVID and will be in his corner. Leo desperately does not want to disappoint his father. And they believe that they can, they can pull this off. They believe that at the end of the day, that Javante Davis will still have a future uh, beyond a loss to Santa Cruz in this fight. But Santa Cruz, you know, sees his own path 
with about two or three more um, high uh, elite fights that he wants to participate in. And obviously the best way to get there is a victory. Yeah, certainly no one should overlook Leos Santa Cruz because considering his resume and his grit. And But, you know, I, I read your story. I loved it. And I, I thought that was the right thing. You know, I think Jose Santa Cruz said, right, they have to fight the perfect fight. And that's exactly yeah. what they have to do. You can't make any mistakes against Gervonta. He has crushing power. He's the bigger, stronger guy. And I think that's really, for me, why I'm picking Gervonta. I just mm -hmm. don't know that Leo Santa Cruz has the power to, to gain Gervonta's respect, to back him off, and to, to impede his progress as he, as he marches forward and applies pressure. You know, Leo's really, I only see one path to victory for Leo, and that's sticking and moving, boxing up the back foot, keeping using the height, the height and reach advantage and keeping Gervonta at the end of those long punches and, you know, having a lot of volume, frustrating him. But I don't think he could throw his normal 100 punches per round. I think he's going to have to just be a little bit more economical with the, with the, uh, with the volume, which the is not hard against Gervonta. Yeah, the thing that struck me, Mike, in that conversation that I was having with Leo, I mean, again, I'm, I'm still picking him. But anytime you mention, like, and he did mention this, that if he loses, the thought of retirement will cross his mind. Anytime a fighter mentions that, I get a little bit wary. And the other thing is, too, is we know this. Boxing does this to veteran guys, right? They've built their, they've built their name. Leo stands as a four-division world champion. But now there's this young lion on the way up. And it's time for the old lion to get slaughtered, right? And I actually brought this up to Leo. I mean, it was, we have such a good relationship that I felt safe in doing so. But I said, look, Mayweather himself, who promotes Gervonta Davis, did this with a guy named Gennaro Hernandez back in the day, who was a, a, a very effective Mexican champion like, like Leo. And it was really like a passing of the torch that gave Floyd instant credibility and, and helped launch him. I know it took a, a few years after that, but it, it was his first world title and it helped springboard him toward those bigger fights that you know came his way. And clearly now with both of these guys participating, um, you know, in this pay-per-view event, there's going to be so many eyeballs on this fight and there's going to be a lot of attention on this fight. And it is, this is exactly what they want to do with Gervonta in this moment. I mean, Floyd knows how to play this game. Absolutely, he does. And I think back to what Teofimo Lopez told us after the Lomachenko fight, out with the old, in with the new. <laughs> this, is about, this is about new stars and... This is supposed to be a coronation for Gervonta. Clearly, it's his toughest fight by far, regardless of what you think about Leo Santa Cruz's chances. I mean, Gervonta's only really world-class opponent to this point has been Jose Pedraza, who Gervonta blew out in an impressive fashion. So, um, you know, I'm excited for the fight. Should be a good atmosphere. It's going to be weird having fans back, but happy to have oh, them yeah. back. Yeah. I know PBC is keeping it really safe. They have a really strict bubble. But, um, you know, I think that's really the only thing I'm looking forward to. The undercard is incredibly underwhelming. I mean, I'm excited to see Regis Progray fight always, but he should blow out Juan Geraldez. Yeah. And then we have Mario Barrios, another fun fighter, fighting Ryan Carl, um, you know, another mismatch. Then we have Diego Magdaleno somehow in, in the opener. Wow. Uh, I don't know the Magdaleno. I mean, I, I understand that, you know, PBC probably had a bunch of other fights on these Showtime cards. They could have put on the pay-per-view and they put those on TV. They're mixing and matching, but... For fans that constantly complain about having poor undercards and paying $75, this is not going to help. Yeah, no doubt about it. I think it's interesting too, Mike. I mean, as much as uh, Floyd Mayweather and Al Heyman you know, have got along and they made so much money throughout the years, it is interesting that in a way, 
that in this main event, you've got Floyd's, you know, best fighter and favorite fighter, so to speak, with Gervonta Davis against Al's favorite fighter and Leo Santa Cruz. And there, w- there were times during the relationship between Mayweather and Heyman where things were not exactly easy. We all know how, how difficult Floyd, Floyd can be in our own dealings with them. So when you're talking about, you know, navigating and handling his career over times that we know this for a fact that Al Heyman was a little bit like, you know, Hey, this is uh, this guy's a lot to deal with. So maybe in the back of his mind, he's like, I'm going to stick it to, to his guy with my guy in this fight. So that's one more thing that I'll be keeping my eye on. <laughs> We're going to take a quick break right now to hear from one of our advertisers. completely packed weekend i mean it's gonna i'm so glad you're going to san antonio and being able to hang out with those fans and see that that type of action um in las vegas we'll get to see not exactly the true usda debut but let's be honest it's the las vegas debut and it really is um i think formally kind of the u.s debut of naya in a way i mean in his fight against jason maloney He's going to be dealing with a guy who's going to be bringing the action and who, you know, is saying all the right things about he he feels he can win this fight. But look, let's be honest. In a way, I think senses his moment, and it's time for him to reveal his great greatness on the biggest U.S. stage possible, right? Right. Well, I mean, unfortunately, you know, it would be a bigger stage if it was on ESPN rather than Plus. But yeah. I, I think yeah, this is his coming up already. Uh, Maloney's a solid fighter, but a new way to me is an elite, perhaps generational talent. And I got, got to expect a knockout victory. I mean, new way special. Uh, he's been blowing through guys, you know, Manuel Rodriguez, uh, Juan Carlos Payano, Jamie McDonald. None of those guys made it to the, to hear the belt and second round, the second rounds, wow. which is astonishing. Mm-hmm. This guy's a wrecking ball. He's coming off. The, what was voted by the boxing writers as the fight of the year in 2019 with Nonita Donaire. And he did have his orbital orbital broken in that fight, but I expect that we'll see a new way blast through another fighter and hopefully move on to what we said before. Maybe it could be a fight at some point with Estrada or Chocolatito. I had a conversation yesterday, uh, Mike, with Inouye, uh for a story that's going to be in The Athletic on, uh, it's going to post uh, first thing Wednesday morning. And he definitely uh, senses, you know, what he needs to do this night. I mean, he made a comment to me that when I think of Las Vegas, I think of heavyweights. And when I think of heavyweights, I think of knockouts. And I know that that's what, that's what the fight fans want. And that's what I'm going to bring. And I, you know, I, I followed that up with a conversation with the top-ranked veteran matchmaker, uh, Brad Goodman, who said that's the thing that sets uh, in a way apart is that, you know, you're not used. I mean, we saw this. I mean, I, it, it took Estrada, you know, until the championship rounds to finish his opponent. But you don't really see this with the lighter guys just having this one punch knockout power, Mike. And I know you think very highly of in a way. That's that's the thing that truly sets this guy apart, right? I mean, the power that we see from him, the fact that he can end end this fight instantaneously, is is the drama that you know gives him the potential to perhaps become a pay-per-view draw in this country. Yeah, I mean, look, look at guys, two other guys who barely spoke English, Manny Pacquiao and Gennady Golovkin. They used knockouts to ride, you know, the path right to stardom. Mm-hmm. And Pacquiao started his career at 108 pounds, the same as Inoue. Now, of course, he's an anomaly. I, I'm not to suggest Inoue is going to 
be winning titles at 154 pounds and laying yeah. beatings to guys like Antonio Margarito. But <laughs> uh, certainly, I, I could see a new way going all the way to maybe 126 and you know knocking guys out. I mean, that power is scary, and he's right. Power is going to be what carries him to the top in the U.S. And I'm interested once fans are back um, to the top rank fights as well. How a new age draws because we know he's we know he's a mega star in Japan, and we know that there's a big you know Japanese contingent in LA. Absolutely, I was looking it up yesterday. I mean, 1.3 million people in this country, you know, can claim Japanese ancestry, and we know what the you know the the number of tourists that come over here from Japan, especially when they see a a, a dynamite athlete uh, performing at this high of a level, Mike. I mean, we see it. I think most particularly in baseball, with like you know, first it was the pitcher Hideo Nomo, then we saw Suzuki, now we see Otani with the Angels. Yeah, they they want to come here and support uh, their guy, and in a way, has a lot. He spoke of, uh, to me about this. He has so much pride about saying, "Look, I want to show what a Japanese man can accomplish in this sport. You know, at the highest levels of this sport." And I think that that's going to be something that really will move the needle in regards to you know making him not just a guy that I think the the hardcore boxing fan will like not only you know someone that his uh country will follow but someone that everyone here will gravitate toward because you know like we said from the outset nothing sells fights more than knockouts and that's exactly what this guy wants to do i mean he, he spoke also of embracing that nickname the monster he says they love it and i know what i need to, to do to, to live up to that nickname speaking of knockouts we uh we have another fight we didn't mention earlier uh, it's been flying under the radar, but Friday we have Jaime Munguia against Toriano Johnson. Yeah. Um, in a, a middleweight fight. And I, I you know, I, I'm not going to sleep on Toriano Johnson. Toriano Johnson's a tough, rugged customer. He's a big, strong guy. I think it's going to be a tough fight for Munguia. And, you know, I, I'm not completely sold on Munguia yet. He hasn't really impressed me so far, other than that knockout win over Saddam Ali. You know, he's there to be hit. He had a very controversial decision over Dennis Hogan. Now he's fighting a, a big, strong 160 for the first time who's not mm -hmm. going to back down. I think that's going to be an all-action fight on the zone on Friday. Isn't there something, Mike? I mean, for, I, I, you've probably experienced this as well, but when I saw Toriano Johnson in, in sparring and in training, that's what really kind of sold me on this guy. I'm like, damn, this guy, you know, he's a, he's a badass. And, yeah. you know, I think that there's no given him, but... I think this is there. There's something about the fact. I mean, uh, look, there's a couple things at play. First of all, and we know this. Sometimes we know that the, the judges can be swayed by the idea of who is supposed to win, right? But the other thing is too is that the people who make these fights they see something that maybe you know to our eye we're missing out on a little bit. So maybe there's something in the matchup that they're seeing that favors Mungia because clearly they don't they don't want to put him in a fight. Um, that is going to be a setback at this point as he seems to have this momentum, you know, pushing toward a, a, a title shot. Right. So uh, but it, it is going to be interesting to see if, if Johnson can get to this guy. Yeah, I mean, I, I would not be shocked at all if, if uh, Johnson got to him. And I think he's like a five to one dog, which seems wow. a little wide to me. Mm -hmm. So if you're a gambling uh, gambler out there, might be uh, might be wise to hammer Toriano Johnson and get that value. But. Yeah, I think that's a really good fight. I like I like that fight. That's one of two Golden Boy shows, I believe, for the rest of the year. Amid this Canelo drama, we'll also have Ryan Garcia, Luke Campbell on December 5th. But um, look, excited to see what happens there. And then 
the other another fight on the zone the next day, we have Alexander Usyk against Derek Chisora. And I really do find this fight intriguing. I mean, I know Usyk's a big favorite for a reason. Obviously, I expect him to win. He's one of the best pound-for-pound fighters in the world. But he's not a big heavyweight. This is the former undisputed cruiserweight champion. I didn't love the way he reacted to some of those shots from Chaz Witherspoon, who obviously hmm. is well below Sora's level. <laughs> yeah. Sora's not a murderous puncher, but he's a big, strong, adorable heavyweight. He can crack a little bit. And um, I think maybe we can get some good moments if he can land. Yeah, I mean, Usyk is perfect for uh, Mauricio Suleiman's new division, right? But how can you not want to participate in the in the true heavyweight division because that's where all the money's at? And, you know, look, he he was the uni- fully unified cruiserweight champion of the world, so he does want to test his medal, and he's, a, he's in line as a mandatory contender to Anthony Joshua, although you just know, Mike, right, that he's going to have to sit in line and wait that one out probably throughout all of 2021. Oh, yeah. I mean, it seems to be a a fait accompli at this point that those two fights are going to happen next year, Fury and Joshua. I know they're not done yet, but for everyone I talk to involved, there doesn't seem to be any concern at all over any big hurdles or stumbling blocks that would stop these fights from happening. It's just the right fight at the right time. There's way too much money in it. It's going to happen. And yeah, look, they're not going to let belts or sanctioning body obligations get in the way. So I I don't know where it's, you know, Usyk, He's going to have to, you know, box off his back foot. And I mean, I would love it if we could see Usyk get a knockout somehow and show some real heavyweight power. That would be big. That's what I'm going to look for. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, heavyweight punch. Yeah, because Chisora, if I'm if my memory serves me correctly, I think he stepped into the ring last fight, uh, at least at 260. And I think it was a little bit above that, Mike. So, I mean, the, he's definitely going to be outsizing Usyk. And while, you know... Eddie Hearn looked at the the, the the last heavyweight fight with uh, Dillian White and maybe didn't exactly mind seeing White lose. He definitely wants Usyk to win this fight too. So this is a substantial test of Usyk as a true heavyweight against a, a, a really a journeyman heavyweight that is going to you know just test him by the by the size. How how do you see Usyk you know pick, picking apart Chisora or even po- potentially breaking him down? Um, yeah, good question, Lance. And you're right. We call him a journey mode. He's definitely a, a legitimate gatekeeper. Sore is a, a guy who's necessary in the sport. I think Usyk's going to have to just really pump that jab in his face and we expect Sore to plow forward and kind of walk him into some of his shots. But I, I think he'll outbox him and move his feet a lot. That's what Usyk likes to do. For me, the two big question marks with Usyk, as a heavyweight at least, because we know he has elite footwork, he's an elite jab. He's a really has a great ring intelligence. Is a how hard does he punch at heavyweight, and b more importantly, maybe how does he take a heavyweight shot? I mean, because if Chisora lands right on you, it's he's going to knock people out. I mean, he's knocked out Carlos Takam two years ago. Um, he's he knocked out David Price in his last fight. Not that David Price is King Kong or anything, but he knocked him out. Mm-hmm. He's knocked out. He's knocked out a lot of guys, um, some named guys, and he's been knocked out too. But this is the guy who's gone the distance with some good fighters. And, um, you know, look, he, he was lost on split, on split decision to Kubat Pulev uh, four years ago. I mean, Pulev's a puncher. Sorge is going to be there. He's going to be ready for this fight. He definitely does not have a loser's mentality. But it's funny. I, I think back to another former cruiserweight champion that moved up to heavyweight, uh, and David Hay, who, who mm-hmm. funny enough, now manages Derek Chisora. But... I remember when David Hay moved up to heavyweight, there are a lot of questions about his punching power, how he would take a shot. And he actually knocked Sora out in 2012. Um, huh. and, and the power carried. 
So that's what I'm going to be looking for. And it's going to be interesting, Mike, to see what Usyk weighs, right? When he gets on that scale, because clearly he's got a, he's got a reason that he's got to pack on some pounds just to, you know, be able to put some more power behind those punches. You would think. Yeah. I mean, you know, we had Mauricio Suleiman on the show last week talking about the creation of the new, you know, 244 pound uh, division. Um, and, and while I don't agree with another decision, as we as we noted, I do think huh. that heavyweights in this day and age do need to be probably 225 minimum if they want to compete. And uh, Usyk was 215 in his last fight. Witherspoon was 242. Like you mentioned, Sore is routinely like 260 or something. So hopefully Usyk can come in and you know, he have plenty of time to strength train. Uh, he hasn't fought in about a year. Before we go, Mike, I, since you, you brought up that uh, visit with Suleiman, uh, I mean, obviously the the listeners loved it. I mean, you took this guy on, you went after him on all of the things that I think fight fans have been annoyed by with the sanctioning bodies. Certainly, I, I would imagine on social media a lot of people were were singing your praises. Correct? What did that feel like, and and what kind of interaction did you have with your with the listeners and your readers? Uh, yeah, no, it was good. Uh, I'm glad to see everyone agrees. Uh, the one thing we can all agree on in boxing, less titles, less sanctioning body shenanigans. <laughs> <laughs> no doubt. Uh, and, it was good, and it was good to see Floyd come out as well uh, and speak out against the proliferation of titles. Um, although his own card this week, I think we have a lot of confusion as well. Right, Gervonta Davis has some version of the lightweight title, like the secondary WBA title. And he's also fighting for Leo Santa Cruz's 130-pound title, which was also confusing because Rene Alvarado was the WBA champion. But, oh, by the way, WBA decided that Alvarado is actually the secondary champion after he beat uh, uh, Cancio. I don't know. It's all confusing. But I hope, look, if, if a guy like Floyd really wants to get into this and take care of this problem, he's the right guy to do it. Absolutely. And I actually think, Mike, that I think that he seized on your comments and he was aware of your comments. And that's why he uh, said the things that he said. So a great, great job, like, you know, going after the uh, situation that needed to be questioned as passionately as, as, as you were in, in that, in that moment. So great job. Um, take it out from here, Mike. Yep. Thanks everyone for listening again. As always, we appreciate it. Remember if you want to take advantage of that deal to read all of our stuff and all of the other sports that the athletic covers, you can do so for just a dollar per month. You can head over to the, to the athletic.com slash hug and cop. And that offer expires on Monday, November 2nd. Thank you.